Today, Pastor speaks about the Sabbath day. Often we carry baggage throughout our lives, and that keeps us from worship and hinders us from serving God. We hope that you are encouraged as you join us in the message entitled, Sabbath Day Worship. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles out this morning. Turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. I'm going to do something just totally different this morning. I've been pastoring here for 12 years, and I think this is probably the first time I've done this. I'm just going to wing something this morning. We'll see how it works out. How about that? Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 19. Thus saith the Lord unto me, Go stand in the gate of the children of the people, whereby the kings of Judah come in, and by the which they go out, and in all the gates of Jerusalem. And say unto them, Hear ye the word of the Lord, ye kings of Judah, and all Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem that enter in by these gates. Now who is he talking to? He's talking to everybody, from the highest to the lowest. No one entering into the holy city, which is a type of Christianity or the church, is excluded. No matter what your title, I don't care if you go by bishop or district superintendent, general superintendent, or janitor, or whatever. If you clean the bathrooms, no matter what you do, no matter what level you're at, he's talking to you. Everybody got that? Everybody. All those that go through these gates. Verse 21, Thus saith the Lord, Take heed to yourselves, and bear no burdens on the Sabbath day, nor bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem, neither carry forth a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath day, neither do ye any work, but hallow ye the Sabbath day as I commanded your fathers. But they obeyed not, neither inclined their ear, but made their their necks stiff, that they might not hear nor receive instruction. And it shall come to pass, if ye diligently hearken unto me, saith the Lord, to bring in no burden through the gates of this city on the Sabbath day, but hallow the Sabbath day to do no work therein, then... Shall there enter into the, then shall there enter into the gates of this city kings and princes sitting upon the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their princes, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and this city shall remain forever. Sounds like they're going to be living in victory. They're going to have strong military power. They're going to have leadership. They're going to prosper. In other words, you're going to do good if you do what God tells you to do. You obey His voice, you obey His command. Verse 26, And they shall come from the cities of Judah, and from the places of Jerusalem, and from the land of Benjamin, and from the plain, and from the mountains, and from the south, bringing burnt offerings and sacrifice, and meat offerings and incense, and bringing sacrifice of praise unto the house of the Lord. Anybody ever brought sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord? You didn't feel like praising Him, but you praised Him anyway. 
Everything was going wrong in your life, but you praised Him anyway. Bills wasn't paid, but you praised Him anyway. You didn't feel good in your body, but you praised Him anyway. Anybody ever praised Him just anyway? Verse 27, But if ye will not hearken unto me to hallow the Sabbath day and not bring a bur- and bring a burden, <clears throat> even entering into at the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then will I kindle a fire in the gates thereof, and it shall devour the palace of Jerusalem, and it shall not be quenched. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, God. You said that it's a light into my feet, Lord. It's a lamp into my path, God. It is to guide me and direct me. And it does that, Lord, when we take it, Lord, and apply it to our life. Now, Lord, we can read it and ignore it, and it doesn't guide or direct us anywhere. But, Father, as we open our minds and open our heart and our spirit this morning, Lord, and absorb Your Word and incline our ear to it to obey it, God, we know then You will direct us, Lord. So, Father, we come in this morning, Lord, and we just just release right now, Lord, all of our thoughts, Lord, anything that distracts us, God. We put it out of our mind. We put it behind us, Lord. We ask that you just fill the atmosphere of this place, Lord, with your presence. Father, you drive out, bind every distracting spirit, Lord, anything that would just take from the Word of God this morning, Lord. We pray, God, that your Holy Spirit will just resonate your Word right now so that we hear it, God. And then, Lord, we will just set our mind, Lord, that we will obey what you have told us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, this morning, I wanted to talk to you about a subject that has been misunderstood throughout church history. It's a subject that has been debated for longer than we've been around. And it'll be debated after we're dead and gone. It's been debated for centuries is what is the Sabbath, when are you to worship, how are you to worship, what day you're to worship on. And people have argued about this like forever. I mean, they've got denominations that's built their doctrine around the Sabbath. And uh, it's funny, we were talking this morning about churches, how they get split over stuff. Yeah. Walk right past somebody and they won't even talk to you. This side won't talk to that side. And you just have to wonder what Jesus is thinking when he looks at that. He's like, is that really what I died for? Is that the way you're supposed to be acting in a dying world, going to hell outside, looking at you, thinking, what in the world would I want to be a part of that for? And so people have been arguing about this stuff, and it's really, folks, it's really not that complicated. And so this morning I hope to take something that seems difficult and hard to understand and simplify it so that we can understand it. Not that you're simple. But sometimes we can make things complicated. It's really not all that complicated. And so we're going to talk about the Sabbath. Now, a lot of people look at it and they say, well, we're going to set aside a day, a 24-hour period, and we're going to say this is the Sabbath and we're going to worship on it because that's what the Bible says. And technically, there was a, a, a day set aside that was recognized as the Sabbath. And so some people today, they take that and they try to understand things in the spirit with the natural mind. And sometimes it's hard to break out of that natural realm into the spirit realm. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, it says, What man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man that's in him. Likewise, no man knows the things of the spirit of God, but those that have the Holy Spirit in them. It says, For the natural man perceives not the things of the spirit of God, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So this morning I want to try to bring some spiritual discernment to something that people are locked in naturally. 
All right, because a lot of people are locked in naturally to Sabbath day worship. So much to the point that they worship on the Sabbath day, which technically is Saturday. All right, from 6 o'clock, I think, Friday evening to 6 o'clock Saturday evening, technically is the Sabbath day. Despite the fact that the New Testament told us not to give any kind of recognition to particular days, said one person recognizes one day above another, the next guy recognizes each day the same. But nevertheless, there are people that say you have to worship on the Sabbath, and therefore they do that. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not here to throw stones at that. If somebody wants to worship on the Sabbath day, I, I talked to a, a cousin the other day. I, I sent him, I told you that he was reading his Bible. I sent him the Left Behind series. Well, he sent it back to me and said that he couldn't get into it because he's been, been meeting with this guy for over a year studying the Bible. I said, really, who? He said, well, it's a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. And so I knew a little bit about what he was being taught because I know a little bit about the Seventh-day Adventist people. And they meet on Saturday to worship. They believe that if you don't do that, you're disobeying God. And I have no problem with worshiping on the the Sabbath day on Saturday because I worship on Saturday. I always have, ever since I've been a Christian. I worship on Saturday. I hope that don't bother you. But I worship on Saturday and Friday and Thursday. And typically I worship on Wednesday too and Tuesday and Monday and Sunday. Because you see, I don't have to be in a building to worship God. And I don't have to be assembled to worship God. Now God told us to assemble and worship, and we do that. Now I grew up in the Baptist church. And in the Baptist church, they, they had debates about this too. Every church I've ever been involved with, this subject came up and they debate about it. And so I, what I did find out was that in the New Testament church, they met on the first day of the week. And so Christians in general, the New Testament Christians today, follow the pattern of the first church that met on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. And so we've kind of kept that tradition. But honestly, it doesn't really matter what day you meet on to worship, just so you meet to worship. If we wanted to start having church on Monday evening at 6 o'clock, that would be all right with God. I'm pretty sure he'd be cool with that. In fact, I know he would. Because we, we, we give significance to a 24-hour period sometimes and say, this is the Sabbath day, we're supposed to keep it holy. Now, we've got to understand what the Sabbath is to begin with, because a lot of people don't really know what the Sabbath is, where it even began. And so you've got to kind of rewind back to, to understand something that seems like it is oh so deep. Because when we look back into the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth, and He formed all these things. He made dry land appear. He brought forth herbs. He brought forth all creeping things, and He made man. And on the seventh day, the Bible says He ended now, brother, when God ends something, it's done. It's ended. All of his labor. And the Bible says that he, he went after he ended. And if you read in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, it says he, in, he, he, he rested from all of his labor. And so God sat down on his throne. And he was finished with all of his work. And we don't see a mention of the Sabbath, the hallowed day, the seventh day, the day of rest, until the book of Exodus. Now, how long God sat on his throne resting, we don't know. Because man also entered into that rest. 
Man entered into the Sabbath when God entered into the Sabbath because it wasn't a 24-hour day. It was a way of life. He was resting from all of his labor. Man didn't have to do a thing but just reach out and pick the, the, the fruit of the garden and eat it. And he told him to tend it, but we see that as work. It wasn't work. You see, part of the rest that I enjoy is getting out and what we call working in my garden. I'm not, it's not work to me. It's rest. I'm tending my garden. I love to do it. It's relaxing. I was talking to a brother yesterday. We are talking about the garden season coming up and what we're wanting to do. And it's, it's restful. And so, see, that's all man had to do. He didn't have to work. He was resting from all of his labor. Well, he didn't even have to labor. Never did. Entered into the Sabbath from the very time he was created until he disobeyed God. And then we see in Exodus, we see immediately after that, we see God going back to work. You see, sin breaks the Sabbath. Are you hearing me? Sin breaks the Sabbath. And so man sinned when he disobeyed God, and God had to get up from his rest, and we see him walking in the cool of the evening saying, Adam, where art thou? And we see him having to go back to work and take an animal and kill it and spill its blood to cover the sins of man, and God goes back to work. The Sabbath is broken and continues to be broken in the Spirit, albeit he set aside a day, to honor something that is coming to pass in the future. Because what we see is God working all the way up until the time that a man is hanging on a cross. And when he had hung on that cross after he finished his earthly ministry, he said, It is finished. And the same God who created man and all things that are in the earth, John 1, 1 tells us in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus Christ sat down with God and rested in the Garden of Eden, and when He paid the price at Calvary, He left His throne, and the Bible says that He was seated on the right hand of the throne of God. Because His work was finished. And God entered into the Sabbath once again. And He is still there. Are you hearing me? He is still there. Now, we, we look at things in the Old Testament... And we sometimes we, we can't differentiate between things in the natural... And things that were shadows... And types of things to come between the things that have been fulfilled and what we are supposed to be living and walking in now. And sometimes we get hung up in the shadow and try to live in the shadow. Now, who wants to try to live in the shadow? I mean, when I go to my dinner table and there's a big old nice fat ham sitting there and the lights are on, it casts a shadow... But I don't go sticking my fork in the shadow and trying to cut it and put it in my mouth. Why am I going to eat the shadow when I can eat the real thing? December the 20th, 1974, I stood at an altar at Winds Baptist Church in front of Emmett Donovan. And I was standing there and there were candle operas up here and they were showing light. And I was casting a shadow. And I looked down the aisle and I saw the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life come walking down that aisle in a white dress. Long blonde hair and a little baby cross on. And she walked up there and said she would spend the rest of her life with me. 
But when she walked down that aisle, she didn't walk down the aisle with a shadow. She walked down the aisle with the husband. Are you hearing me? The bridegroom. Her husband. She didn't bear three children with a shadow. She was intimate with the bridegroom. So why in the world today do we try to become intimate with shadows when we can be intimate with the real thing? Are you getting anything out of this? All right. So to try to understand the Sabbath, it is not just a 24-hour period. It is a lifestyle. We are to keep the Sabbath on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, and Sunday. We live in the shadow. Now, it's very good for, for, for the, the Hebrew people today to continue to keep the Sabbath because they're still looking for Messiah to come. But the big book of Hebrews says, I have a better way for you. The better way is to live with Jesus Christ. The real thing, not just the shadow. Amen? We live in a better way. And so, so they, they continue to keep the, the, the Sabbath day, that 24-hour period. But Jesus said, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. They rebuked him for going out and harvesting corn on the Sabbath day. He said, you just don't understand. The Sabbath wasn't made for man. I mean, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. And so with that understanding that we are supposed to enter into his rest, that's what the book of Hebrews says, labor that you may enter into that rest. Now, some people have entered into that rest. I told you this morning I'm at a... Good place with God. But I didn't get there till just recently. A place where you rest in God, where you get the understanding that I, I don't have to work so hard at this thing. He's already done all of that for me. If I will just cast my cares on Him. We carry all of this burden and this weight and this baggage around and He's already taken it all. And, and when you get to a place where you come up to a little bit different level, and, and spiritually speaking, and you mature and you grow in God, and you get to one of those places, you fight to keep that, that, that place. Because other people try to pull you down and say, you ought to be doing this, and you ought to be acting that way, and thinking, and, and try to put you back in the bondage that God set you free from. And so he says, you need to labor or to work to enter into that rest. And the only way you can do that is to go to Jesus, because He's the only one that can give you rest. Yes. Now, a lot of times we'll try to find somebody else to do that, because we, 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 anybody else that we go to to try to get rest, they're just going to give you more works. Yes. That's the reason marriages are falling apart today, because when a, when a woman she's wanting some help to try to feel like she's whole and complete. She'll try to go get a, a man in her life, thinking he's going to make her better or fix her. Now, now some of it's just natural attraction and all, but sometimes we're doing this to try to correct a problem. <laughs> and, and what she don't realize is he's got as much problems as she does. And then his problems together with her problems, and they both got problems. Yeah. This is everybody's marriage. Because <laughs> you find out when... I mean, he might look good, six foot tall, dark and handsome, big old barely chest, brains and brawn. 
But underneath all that brains and brawn, that brother's got some baggage. You hear me? Because you're not just marrying him, you're marrying his daddy. Who never told him that he loved him. Never told him that he was proud of him. Always critical of everything he did. His daddy might have been a tyrant. There wasn't any law in his house but his law. No rules but his rules. Never could do anything right. So here he's got all of that and you think he's going to help you and he's got so many problems he can't even help himself. Because he's got problems. And then he, 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 he sometimes thinks getting married is going to help his problems so he gets this fine looking thing and she might be beautiful. Built like a Coke bottle. 36, 24, 36. But when you adding up all them figures, you need to add up all this other stuff because when you pick her up to carry her across the threshold, you ain't just carrying her. You carrying her mama. You carrying her grandmama. Her mama who had all these unrealistic expectations and thought she ought to be everything that she wasn't. Her grandmama who spoiled her rotten, now she thinks you're supposed to spoil her rotten. You carrying her boyfriend that broke up with her when she was a kid, and now she thinks she can't trust men. You, you carrying all of her friends that used to laugh at her and make fun of her, but wouldn't include her in all the games. You carrying a whole lot of stuff when you carry a sister across that threshold. Because she's got problems. And you got problems. And you get her problems and your problems together. You got problems. Because everybody has baggage. Say that with me. Everybody has baggage. Everybody's got baggage. Coming to church, clapping your hands, raising your hands, singing hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I give you my life. I give you my soul. Praising God with all your baggage. And everybody does it. But Jeremiah said, when you come... On the Sabbath day, don't bring that baggage with you. But we do it. Now, I'm going to illustrate this this morning. I brought some stuff with me. I'm not a big illustration person. That's why I am doing something I normally don't do. But I'm going to show you what this looks like. You see, this bag, this is sin. We all carry this bag around. We carry sin and sins. When I say sin, I'm talking about the condition of sin. Because I can't do anything about the condition of sin. The condition of sin is like an apple tree. The sins are like the apples on that tree. The condition of sin, only God can deal with that. If all He ever dealt with was just the sins, it would be like pulling the apples and leaving the tree there. But God don't do that. He kills the tree right down to the root. And as I was thinking about that, God showed me this. He said, your bag is full of rotten apples. Because that's all that's hanging on the tree. That's what sin is. It's a bunch of rotten apples. And we pick them thinking they're going to be good. They look good and they taste good and they're just rotten. They're not good. And so we put all of these sins in there. Past sins. Those sins we've never talked about. Those sins nobody knows about and don't know that they need to. Although the Bible said, confess your faults one to another, that you may be healed. A lot of people wonder why they're not healed. they got all of those past sins they've never talked about to anybody, not even God. We go and say, oh God, forgive us of our sins. Well, what sins? 
Maybe we need to be a little bit more specific about those sins. Because we carry all this baggage around with us. Weighted down with burden. Wondering why we can't get a breakthrough in worship. We, t- we, we carry present sins. The things that nobody knows about, those secret sins. Those late night rendezvous on the internet. Nobody knows about. Those things that we did when we was out by ourselves on a business trip. In the motel alone. That nobody knows about. All of those things that we took from work in our lunchbox that nobody saw us take. <laughs> that nobody knows about. Well, they were just going to throw it away anyway. We'll make excuses. They're not using it anyway. They can afford it. they got plenty of them anyway. How do I know that? Daddy had to repent of some sins now. We carry future sins. I might. If I had a chance. If I knew I could get away with it. If I knew nobody would find out about it. And we carry all of those sins around. Coming into the house of God. Singing the songs. Raising our hands. Praising God. But we don't feel like we get a breakthrough. And as if that's not bad enough. Where's my other one here? We add on to that baggage. Guilt. Because I know that stuff is there. And inside, i got the Holy Spirit there to convict me. You see, the thing about conviction is you can't be convicted of something that you haven't done. People that's committed a crime, they're guilty. That's why they get convicted. Because you did it. You see, and we're carrying this around because we know we did it. Look at your neighbor and say, you did it. You did it. You did it. We got all this sin, and we're carrying all of this guilt. I wish I hadn't. Yeah. Come on. If I could just do it again. Yeah. If I just had another chance. If I only would have known. Yeah. Never meant for it to go this far. Yeah. Never meant for it to hurt other people. And now I feel guilty. I got the sin. I got the guilt. Coming to the house of God, singing the songs, raising my hand, but I don't get a breakthrough. And and, and then and then we get this one. This is the smallest one. It's little, but it's lethal. It's small because we keep this one hid. See, this one is what, this is the price I will pay to look good. This is my pride. You see, I carry this around because I'll do anything to look good. I don't want you to know about all my sin and how guilty I feel because I'm going to look good. And it's, it's bad enough in the world, but it's worse in the church. Because we're supposed to have it going on, you know. We're supposed to have God in our life. And Jesus is working us out. we got the victory, you know. So we'll meet people and say, how are you doing? And say, oh, praise God. I'm doing good. How are you doing? We'll lie about what's going on. We'll lie about other people. Tear them down. Make me look better. Because it's all about how good I look. I want you to know that I'm trying to get in that position in the church. I can't let them know I've got all this sin in my life and all this guilt on me. I've got to look good. You know, I've got to act like i got it going on. can't let them know about that. My pride won't let me. Serving in church. 
on committees, different ministries, carrying all of this baggage around. My sin, my guilt, my pride. Then I get this one. This, this is a big bag. Because you see, this bag is all my desires and my wants. Because the Bible says in Him we live and move and have our being. But why isn't that ever enough? Paul said, if you have food and raiment, therewith be content. But how many people, and especially in America, we're never content. You see, we got too many. We, our wants are much bigger than, than our, our haves. No matter what we have, it seems like we're never satisfied. And we carry this weight and this burden into the house of God and into our daily life, into our Sabbath that we are supposed to be fighting to enter into with all of our wants. Want a new house. Get a new house, you gotta have new furniture. Get new furniture, you gotta have a garage. Get a new garage, you gotta have a paved driveway. Get a paved driveway, you gotta get a new car. Get a new car, you gotta have a boat. <laughs> and we're never, it's, it's never enough. And we think these things are gonna make us happy, and we get all those things, and we still walk around with all of our baggage. And all of our weight. The Bible says that we are supposed to run the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, but only after we have set aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. But we carry it around. And then the last one, the last one, this is the one that, this is the one that delivers the death blow. This is the one that is the product of the sin and the guilt and the pride and the desires. Because at some point, because Jesus is in our life and we realize that we're carrying all of this around with us, we're ashamed of ourselves. And so we put on shame. And we carry this around. See, this is the worst one. And we come to the house of God and we try to worship. But shame won't let us work, worship. I can't let anybody know. Because they look at me and judge me. They won't understand me. And I'm, got, I'm carrying my shame and you're carrying your shame. And I can't let you know and you can't let me know. And I want to praise but I can't. We even set the atmosphere for praise. Hunter, won't you come on up and play something for me? Because it's a good thing to set the atmosphere for praise. That's the reason we do this. See, in the Bible, they would do that. You remember Saul, King Saul, said he was vexed with an evil spirit. And when that spirit would come upon him, he would send for David to come and play his harp, and it would calm his spirit. One place there was, a, there was a prophet. They asked him to come and prophesy. We want to know what the will of God is. He said he, said he sent for a minstrel to come and play because music is spiritual. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Have you ever noticed it? I mean, it can be spiritual, demonic, and angelic, it gets, but it's spiritual. Yeah. And so we set the atmosphere for praise. And, and we bring in music and we try to make it good. And we come in and we hear the music and we look around and we see other people and they're praising God. 
And we're just so envious sometimes, you know. Because it seems like they're getting a breakthrough, and here I am with all my baggage. It's crowded up in here. Because I'm bringing in all my baggage. You bring in all your baggage. You take it home with you. You take it to work with you. Take it to the marketplace with you. You bring it into the gates of Jerusalem with you. You take it out of your house with you. All the places God said, don't take it with you. Because if you're going to worship me, if you're going to enter your rest, you can't bring it to the Sabbath day. Don't take your burden on the Sabbath day. Wouldn't it be easy if we only had to worry about that a 24-hour period? But see, we have entered into a rest. Jesus provided that rest for us at Calvary. And so we come in and we try to worship. We try to get a breakthrough. And we can't. We, we're, we're praising, but it's not really good. I say, praise you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Hallelujah. But something's choking me. It's my shame. It's choking me to death. I'm weighed down with this sin that nobody knows about but me. I feel so guilty. My pride won't let me admit it. But I hear somebody and he says, Come unto me, you who are burdened and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. And we look at him with so much shame on us and say, You talking about me, God? Look at me. I've taken the gift of life that you've given me. And look at what I've done with it. And I'm carrying all this stuff. And he says, I don't care. Because I want you. We used to sing a song, Just as I am without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee O Lamb of God I come and so we hear the music and we try to praise but we can't and sometimes we say well doesn't the Bible just say cast your cares on on him because he cares for you but folks, sometimes you can be so weighed down that you can't cast it on Him. But there's another scripture that says, Bear ye one another's burdens. Would you come up here a minute? Help me. Come here. I'm going to call you in a minute. Wait right there. I want to show you what we do. We try to take it off. And the ones that's in the church is supposed to be bearing my burden. Why don't you try to put it on my shoulder? Put it back on it. I don't want that. Try it again. I don't want that. See, we try to take it off, and other people are trying to put it back on me. You ain't got to tell me I sin. I know I got sin in my life. And the church is the worst in the world. Somebody gets wounded. Everybody in the world try to heal the wounded. We bury our wounded. Somebody gets hurt and we won't reach out to them. Talking about that this morning. Somebody don't agree with you, you won't even talk to them. 
So we get in sin. Instead of bearing our burdens, we try to put the burdens back on them when they do get free from them. And you keep trying and keep trying and you can't. Pretty soon you're going to get some help. Get the gossip line going. Do you hear about so-and-so? You know what they did. Do you hear about what they did? And then everybody in the church knows about it. And finally, the thing you got free from, it's back on you again. But wouldn't it be something if the church became the church and did what God told us to do? And I say, God, I want to come to you, but I don't know how I'm going to get to you. I've got all this stuff on me and I don't know how to get rid of it. And this one starts praying. And he says, I'm going to help you bear your burden. This one says, I'll pray for you, brother. If you see a brother sin a sin that's not a sin unto death, pray for him. Yeah. I'll help you bear that burden. And so we come alongside of each other and we love each other instead of condemning each other. We begin to bear each other's burdens. And we take them and we lay them at the feet of Jesus. Just lay them up there, guys. Now, there's a couple of them. Let me see that desire back. There's a couple of them. You guys can sit down. Thank you. There's a couple of them that nobody can take off of you. Your desires. You see, that's here. That's in your head. I I can't bear that burden for you. Only you can bring that to Jesus. The sins that so easily beset you, only you can bring that to Jesus. We try to worship God. We try to honor the Sabbath. But this is how you really worship God. You say, Lord... I got all this stuff on me, but I don't want to sin anymore. And the Bible says, if I have sinned, that I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And Lord, you said you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all my unrighteousness. So, Lord, I'm going to give that to you. All these desires. God, I done had all this stuff and I'm still not satisfied. And I don't want this anymore, God. All I want is you. And Lord, now that I got that right, you said that you bore my shame at Calvary. So Lord, I come before you and I leave all of that baggage and I bow before you and say, God, just return my joy to me, God. Give me victory again, Lord. Father, you said that you would give me a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. How many this morning has had the praise choked out of you? Because you've been in something and you know nobody knows about it but you. But you got shame all over you. Past sins you've never confessed. Present sins that you're involved with right now. And your pride won't let you deal with it. Because what will the church think? But folks, you're going to get to a place where I want Jesus more than anything. I don't care what they think. People that praise crazy. You know, you go to a football game, you don't mind what they think. Pride is checked at the gate when you go to the Redskin game. Yeah. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. 
Brother, when I come in here and want to lift my hands, if I want to dance, if I want to shout, I don't care what you think. Because you don't know the price. I prayed for my praise, son. And I will not be inhibited because of what people think. You see, that's pride all over you that won't let you break through and praise Him like you're at a football game. Like you're really happy about what Jesus did in your life. How many of you have got that pride on you? You've got that sin that you have never dealt with. Sin that you're in right now. Sins that you're thinking about doing. All these ungodly desires. Listen, there's nothing wrong with having things. I'm not saying that. But friend, you listen to me. Anything that you have right now that you would not give away tomorrow if God told you to has become an idol to you. God wants to bless you with stuff and has blessed you with things. But do you own it or does it own you? Because if you won't give it away tomorrow, if God tells you to, then it's an idol to you. And you don't own it. It owns you. And some of you've got, you're there. You pride yourself in your possessions. You want to break through, but all of the shame is on you. But this morning, I want you to see what the Sabbath is. There's nothing wrong with setting aside a day and saying, I'm going to honor this day to do nothing but worship God. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not what the Sabbath is. The Sabbath is a lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle. We live in worship. We live in the Sabbath. But he says, when you come, you can't come burdened. You can't come out of your house with it. You can't go through the gate with it. You can't enter his Sabbath with all of that baggage. How many of you like to get some baggage off of you this morning? Won't you stand to your feet? I'm going to ask you to bow your head. God wants to set some people free this morning. Stuff that you've carried around for many years or maybe just something that you've been involved in just recently. But God wants to set you free today. He is here to take your baggage. And you don't have to bear it alone. Because we're here to help each other. We're here to bear one another's burdens. I don't care how black your sin is. There is no sin so dark and distant that God cannot heal it. And set you free. He makes you a new creation. Brand new. Brand new. Are you guys playing a song? What are you playing here? I want you to sing that. While they sing this song, I'm going to open the altar. I want you to just come right now and just leave it at His feet. In the Spirit. See, we, this is a spiritual thing, folks. And God is going to do something in the realm of heaven as we do things in the realm of the earth. See, that's what the types and shadows are all about. He did things in the natural to release things in the Spirit. You want freedom released over your life? Why don't you bring it to God and say, Lord, let's let's talk to Him about it. You know this thing I'm dealing with. You know where my heart is. 
God, I'm bringing it to your feet. Just return my joy. Return our joy this morning, Lord. Return our joy, God. Give us victory this morning, Jesus. Give us liberty in our praise, God. We want to worship you, God. We want to enter your Sabbath. Lord, we're bound down with all of these things. God, there's people here this morning, there's sin in their life. There's people here that's carrying all kinds of guilt, Lord. People here that are so prideful that they would not dare let anyone see the real them. People here that's got so many ungodly, earthly desires, Lord, that have become idols in place of you. They're weighed down with shame because they're not acceptable in your sight. In that way, Lord, the children of Israel would not hearken unto your word. They would not lay their burdens down. And you said in Hebrews chapter 4 that they could not enter into your rest because of their lack of faith. Lord, we come this morning putting our faith in you, asking you, God, take our burden away. We'll ask everybody to just keep your head bowed. If you're here this morning and something is just weighing you down and you want to be free from it, why don't you come this morning and let God deal in your life? Now, you can carry it home with you if you want to. But why would we want to stay under that burden when Jesus has already made the provision to set us free? While they sing, we're going to sing it through one time. I'm going to ask you to come.
Hallelujah, Jesus. Listen to me, church. How many times have people come to the altar? And I'm not talking about the people that's here. Although this is an encouragement to you if you're here at the altar. Maybe you're there and you needed to come and you just didn't respond. At some point, I just encourage you to get before God and say, Lord, I just want to give this to you. I don't want to carry this anymore. And when you do that... You get up and you walk away from it and you leave it at His feet. How many times have people gotten up and pick up the same baggage that they brought to God and carry it right back home with them? Either because they cannot forgive themselves or other people will not let them forget it. You remember I talked about sometimes people just want to keep putting it back on you. And they find themselves under the same burden that they left at the feet of Jesus. Not because they picked it up, but because somebody else put it on them and won't let them forget it. You see, God forgave you. I don't have the right not to forgive you. God forgets it. I don't have the right to bring it back up again. And when I do, it is witchcraft. Brother, if you've honestly gone before God and got your life right... And I keep bringing it back up and make it a sore spot and keep... It's the same as taking a voodoo doll out and saying, You haven't suffered enough yet. You haven't suffered enough yet. You hurt me, I won't hurt you. And you take a spiritual needle, stick it into that person. It's witchcraft. The Bible says that we are to be tender-hearted, loving, and forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven me. If God forgave you, I don't... How dare I not forgive you? I have to release you. I have to forgive you and act as if it never happened. Why? Because you're a brand new person. That's right. You see, that person died at the, at the feet of Jesus. It's not the same person anymore. That's right. Now, I know we have natural things in this old carnal flesh that we have to deal with, but folks, we got to... We got to grow beyond that and start embracing one another and becoming the church that God called us to be. And I believe we can do that. I believe that is possible. It's not easy. It's taken me a while to be able to get to a point where I do that. Somebody did me wrong, man. I could write people off. Was good at it. I could be sharp with my tongue, sarcastic, condescending, cut people down. And then I realized, you you remember on the road to Damascus, what Jesus said to Paul? Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus Christ, whom you persecute. He'd never done anything to Jesus. He did it to his people. And when you do that to one another, you're doing it to Jesus. Do you get this? And I realize 
When people wrong me and I write them off and I'm condescending, cutting, won't forgive them, I'm doing that to Jesus. And so I had to grow beyond that. It's like, you know what? It's hard to put that out of my memory. But if you truly have repented, you're a new creation. That's not the same person that did that. This is a different person. Therefore, I got to treat them like a different person and embrace them and love them and be kind to them. Tender-hearted, forgiving. How many of you believe you can do that this morning? Believe you can do that? I believe you can. I believe we should. If we're going to be the church that God called us to be, we're not going to be one of those churches where this half don't talk to that half. No. Jesus would not be happy about that. That's not what He died for. I want to be the type of church that people come in here and they say, I feel the Spirit of God when I come on this property. You know what kind of church this is? It's the kind of church that when people come on this property, they say, I feel the Spirit of God on this property. That's true. Joe, how many people have told us that? More than we can count. When I pulled on the property, I felt the presence of God on this place. Why? Because 12 years ago, this man and myself went around and anointed everything on this building. We anointed the grounds. We anointed the entrance of the driveway. We said, God, would people drive by this place? May they sense the presence of your Holy Spirit. And may it always reside here. And it does. It does. But we play a big part in that, in how we respond to each other while we're here. And it's work. It is work. That's why he said, labor that you may enter into his rest. I'm working for you so you can enter into his rest. Work for me so that I can enter into his rest. Amen. It's a good place to be. There's liberty in it, freedom, a peace that passes understanding, joy unspeakable. And you can praise Him no matter what's going on in your life. That doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. Everything's not going to be hunky-dory all the time. But you've got a peace that goes beyond that, a joy that goes beyond that. And it's yours. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we...